From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 895, getting ready for M365 Copilot with guest Carolina Katakuri. Recorded Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back one of my favorites today, Carolina Kitakuri is a modern work expert whose passion for inspiring customers to take advantage of the full spectrum of Microsoft 365, and her specialty is developing teamwork and internal communications with the help of Microsoft Teams. She wants to empower organizations to lead and change from within. Carolina is a Microsoft MVP and an active speaker in technology conferences and user groups. She loves the community, sharing knowledge, and learning from others. Welcome back. Oh, thank you, Richard. Nice to be back in here again. And fresh back from vacation, too, I suspect. Yes, I actually came back from vacation yesterday. Oh, my goodness. And uh, on Saturday, I was in Manchester when we had the Scottish summit. Oh, wow. Yeah, it it was not in Scotland, but it was Scottish summit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Manchester, not Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but maybe a middle ground, you know, not too. The northerners don't have to travel too far south. The southerners don't have to travel too far north. Meet in the middle, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's very, very fair. That's that's awesome. And uh, I'm obviously, it's been a crazy year for M365. The the announcement of M365 Copilot, I think, is incredibly important. I just, uh, I don't know that very many people have really seen it in action yet yeah there's only been those like small couple of minutes demos that you can find from the co-pilot site super interesting and i know so many customers and people around the world are waiting to hear a lot more things about that yeah i i mean i've been in this business for a very long time and i've been communicating about it for a very long time and so i'm almost too sensitive to sort of the gartner hype cycle and as this whole thing took off at the beginning of 2023 with uh, with chat GPT and the 100 million users in two months and so forth, I'm like, oh, man, this is a lot of hype. Uh, so, uh, you know, the engineer in me backs up and it's like, show me the goods. Show me the real thing. You know, <laughs> let me work with this for a while. And, so, and certainly I've had some great experience with chat GPT. Uh, I find it a very useful tool for getting past the blank screen. Mm. You know, when I want to write an abstract for a, for a podcast or which, I mean, I do that stuff all of the time. Anything that can help me to give me fresh ideas to, to write that kind of copy, I, I'm appreciative. But when you, th- when I think about what an N365 copilot is about, I'm not thinking about helping me with a word doc. I'm thinking more broadly than that. What do you think about for copilot? What, what do you really see it as for? I think the use cases are pretty endless because we have seen demos and we know that you, there can be co-pilot in Teams or Excel in Outlook or Viva or Viva Sales, which is now co-pilot sales. Right. So I think the co-pilot means very different things for different roles in organizations. Yeah, I, I'm I'm. And in each of those cases, it feels like you're describing a tool for helping me use one of the office products, which I appreciate. But And it can be helpful for in simple 
everyday use cases when you have to, for example, repeat manual tasks or, for example, I do lots of PowerPoints. And uh, every time I go to and open a Google or Etsy and go to Bing right. and search, for example, for an image or some information for my presentation, I always get interrupted because I have to change context, switch applications. But what actually Copilot can help you to do is to stay within the same application and get all those ideas, pictures, information within the one window. And uh, that may sound like a super small and uh, use case that is not very big or hype or relevant. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually a huge step for a lot of people, like normal employees in organization, when their everyday manual tasks or, and everyday manual work will be much faster and quicker than before. Right. And, you know, they they announced the price, uh, I guess it was a month or so ago, at, at 30 US dollars per person per month. Yes. And on one hand, I'm thinking, hey, uh, an E3 is $36. So you're almost doubling the price of an E3. At the same time, just with what you said there, Carolina, I'm thinking, you know, it's a dollar a day. Mm. You don't have to save a lot of time through this tool to pay a dollar a day. I know the numbers and the faces of, of C, uh, CFOs when they think about E3 or E5 plus Copilot mm -hmm. plus Viva Suite, yes. for example, plus Dynamics. That's mm -hmm. a huge lot of money. But as you said, for example, $30 may be one hour of pay for one employee. Easily. So if you can save and that's for the month. one hour. In a month. Yes. If you save one hour of your work time, mm -hmm. it's already worth it. Yeah. And that seems very reasonable. Plus, it's got a great ROI. That little automation gets figured out once and it works every day. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a series of returns here that, that get pretty compelling. Um, the other piece of this that I've been, I'm paying attention to is the graph. You know, that, that we have this data by working through M365 about interaction and what's been created and so forth. And most of the ways that you surface the graph these days, fall pretty quickly into the creepiness factor. Like, I don't know if you ever spent any time with <laughs> Delve, but mm. Delve could get creepy fast. Yeah, I remember those conversations, especially in Germany, mm -hmm. when 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 Delve came. And um, it, it's, a, it's a real scary factor when you can see all the things that are being shared. You don't see anything that you shouldn't, shouldn't be seeing but you just don't know it. And uh, I think it, it, it will be pretty much the same with Copilot because it will surface so much data in your organization and people just don't know they are sharing right. or giving it away. Well, and at the same time, I would I think you also changed the tone. Like Delve, you've seen, you, you're more exploring. With Copilot, it's almost like if I'm crafting a request of here's my goal for the day, I'm already asking the tool for help. If the if it can bomb through the graph and find a way for me to finish my work more quickly, 
I'm less, uh, that just seems less creepy. That seems just genuinely beneficial. Yeah, yeah. You know, the idea that the work's already been done, that that pieces are already solved, that you could go get this from over here. Like all of these mechanisms that if you ran around the office asking, you'd probably get the same result. Yeah. Or at least similar result. And now that we're working for remote, you kind of can't do that efficiently. So the idea that a tool would help us with that. I just wonder if we found a tone that's okay. Now, admittedly, I'm more comfortable with this, I think, because I spent enough time working in exchange as an administrator where we we dealt with that problem all the time. Like the company was uh, had a legal obligation to scrutinize email, mm. that if there was harassment going in email, we needed to detect it and deal with it. They, you know, that we crossed over into e-discovery problems on a routine basis. Like it was one of, it's one of the onuses on a system administrator is that often we deal in what is relatively private information related to work. Yeah. And, and you get careful about talking about it because it does bother people. Um, and the idea that we build algorithms that would utilize that data fairly, non-discriminatory ways, I think is important. Uh, and so part of me is looking at the tool and saying, is this a path to us uh, getting that efficiency and potential while also being reasonable with people's privacy and dignity and being non-discriminatory about it? Yeah. And I think there are all already like lots of security privacy functionalities built into it mm -hmm. because OpenAI and Microsoft are very strict with the privacy part, of course, because you don't want those news headlines <laughs> yes. that, that there are out there. So, so you should be pretty confident in that when you are using um, AI for Teams or, or some co-pilot, you, you can do it in a very private and secure way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be part of it. It's going to, and it's going to be on us as admins to, to keep those rules in place. But that also speaks to what do we got to do to get ready for Copilot? Um, because to me, right away, it's like this is the tool well crafted to identify that you've done a poor job of securing data. Like, cause it's going <laughs> to, whatever it can find, it's going to find. And this also com comes down to poor job with document management mm -hmm. because it really can find anything. In, in your in your M365. And if you have outdated information, if you have sales documents that have the wrong information, wrong uh, contacts, wrong organizations or wrong numbers, mm -hmm. you may end up with very, very uh, outdated work documents or PowerPoints sure. in the end. Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. It also feels like maybe we need to focus on some archiving. Like, but this is mm. data that maybe we want to keep in the historical record, but I may not want to necessarily reference going forward. Like, it, I feel like there's a library initiative that needs to happen here for us to really get value from Copilot. Definitely. And actually, Microsoft just published the becoming archiving functionality mm -hmm. in M M365. So there will be new functionalities what, what comes to archiving sites or documents in SharePoint. Right. So they, do they see it too then that this is an issue? Like, <laughs> I, I just got to think about all the things that could go wrong implementing a, a copilot inside your organization. Yeah. That we could get working on now, even before we can really buy it. Yeah. And I think this is pretty interesting, uh, time in organizations because on the other hand, you have the huge hype about AI and, and copilot. And on the other hand, you have this 
old-fashioned and large and uh, very slow document management projects. And how do we get those two yeah. really together? Yeah. Um, most organizations, I feel like, got rushed into the cloud because of the pandemic to some degree. I mean, many were already going, but we certainly accelerated mm-hmm. a bunch of things. But it does speak, I think, to a lot of putting some cycles into archiving, records management, is tagging the right term. Like you need to do some get get going on some tagging uh, of data. Metadata labels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're working on projects now to get people into Copilot. Is this something you focus on? Uh, definitely document management. And if the organization has those arch- archiving functionalities, rules, policies, I think it's one of the prerequisites before mm-hmm. you can really think of implementing Copilot in a large scale in your organization. Right. So one of the tasks. Uh, are there others that we need to to, to dive into? Um, one thing that's especially Microsoft put it, is that they have been talking a lot about hybrid work and, and the new normal is just work nowadays. Right, so it, yeah. it's nothing new anymore. And uh, now we get this another whole new way to work. And uh, I think in the end, it comes down to the employees and how they can really utilize those new functionalities mm-hmm. and how to prepare um different teams, different roles, different locations, and how to get the ROI out of that 30 dollars per month. Sure. I'm, I mean, I, I I am with you that I don't bother with the term hybrid anymore. Work is work. Some of it's done from home. Some of it's done in the office. You know, different organizations approach it different ways. And by that same token, it's like, do we really see Copilot behaving differently, whether you're working in the office or working from home? I don't imagine, I just, my gut says it wouldn't, but I'd be interested in any thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think that if you are working from home a lot, mm-hmm. maybe co-pilot can become like your workmate. Right. You're ask, asking questions, asking opinions. And at the office, you can partially do it with the person sitting next to you. Right. I don't know. This, this can be, this can happen. Yeah, I don't, I just wonder. <laughs> I get concerned about people having existential conversations with software. <laughs> like, maybe get a dog, right? Like, right? but yeah. I mean, I liked uh, one of the things I did during the pandemic was having coffee with people remotely. Mm. The idea being, yeah, we're on a call, but no agenda. Just go get your preferred caffeinated beverage. Let's chat. Uh, just a little bit of that kind of recreate trying to recreate the water cooler mm-hmm. i wouldn't want anyone I, I don't know that it would be a good thing to switch to software for that like it's good to connect with co-workers and this is not a co-worker it's a co-pilot yeah and this is another very interesting point that many people are scared that ai or co-pilot will replace them at work but I think that uh, the feeling of belonging in a human community and interacting with real humans mm-hmm. doesn't really go away. No. And co-pilot should just be your co-pilot and not your work friend. Yeah. And I love, I mean, it's not often that Microsoft names things well. And arguably GitHub <laughs> came up with this name anyway. But co-pilot's a good name because it does remind us all we're the pilot. Yeah, right. yeah. In the end, we're in charge. This is software. It is not autonomous. It doesn't do anything without 
instructions. Uh, you know, you are issuing the commands, writing the prompts and so forth. So, you know, AI ain't taking your job, but somebody using a large language model could because they can outperform yeah. you. And we're not talking massive performance leaps. We're talking worth $30 a month. Uh, performance, yeah, you know, yeah. optimizations. And Caroline, I need to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. If you work in security or IT and your company has Okta, this message is for you. Have you noticed that for the past two years, the majority of data breaches and hacks you read about have something in common? It's employees. Sometimes an employee's device gets hacked because of unpatched software. Sometimes an employee leaves sensitive data in an unsecured place. And it seems like every day a hacker breaks in using credentials they fished from an employee. The problem here isn't your end users. It's the solutions that are supposed to prevent these breaches. But it doesn't have to be this way. Imagine a world where only secure devices can access your cloud apps. In this world, fished credentials are useless to hackers. And you can manage every operating system, even Linux, from a single dashboard. Best of all, you can get employees to fix their own device security issues without creating more work for IT. The good news is you don't have to imagine this world. You can just start using Collide. Collide is a device trust solution for companies with Okta, and they ensure that if a device isn't trusted and secure, it can't log into your cloud apps. Visit collide.com slash runasradio to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash runasradio. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carolina Kedikuri. We're talking a little bit about getting ready for M365 Copilot. So, I mean, yeah, I wonder if that's going to become the, this idea of this is a sort of a companion piece of software might even be a problem in the future. I hope we do keep you working with it as a tool. Don't, you know, humans love to anthropomorphize. Mm. And we certainly do it with our pets. I know folks who name their cars, you know, like they, uh, and so <laughs> it is software in the end. Uh, I actually, I was just about to say the same thing because uh, I've seen many, many examples of ChatGPT or, or bot, bots in teams that make the bots seem very human mm-hmm. and usually very fun. And, uh, that, that's a cool way to demo something and get people interested in something. Right. But in, in the end, do you really have to, uh, do you really want to have a chatbot in your organization that speaks in a Scottish dialect? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. For a few minutes, that's funny, but you know, you also need to understand them too. And I've, I've run into some Scottish brogues that were pretty tough to figure out. Uh, although, yeah. I, I have not seen many implementations of any of these large language models with speech models attached. It's always been text. It is interesting to think in terms of uh, verbally talking to software and, and, and putting, you know, right, issuing prompts and getting it back in an audio form. Although most of the time I think we want the text uh, mm. to do things. Although, Operating, I could see where that's very beneficial operating the software, like making a better, I could see a copilot making a better PowerPoint deck. Yeah. Yeah. But there you wanted to take actions. You want some styling and, and, you know, the aesthetics parts and, and things like that to, to make a better deck. The idea that it might be able to go find 
corporate graphics for me. That's compelling. I mean, I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. trying to find the right graphics for a given presentation inside of an organization. So, you know, th- these are, are, it's, you know, far from being a Rogerian therapist, this is like <laughs> literally a proper assistant going off and finding you the resources to make the deck you're trying to make. Yeah. And I really like the idea of co-pilot or, or chatbot being an assistant to you. Mm-hmm. For example, when nowadays we are using so, so many hours and days and months, for example, for building FAQs or Q&A banks in our organizations, right. in the future, maybe we can just dump the the materials for in, in co-pilot and then we can ask anything from, from the bot. Yeah, it, it is could be our corporate memory. Yeah. Right. Like really, because it can navigate everything we've loaded in M365 and, and even, even that historical part of who wrote emails about this, who collaborated on the document, like all, that entire history is recorded. It's just tough for humans to consume, but the software should be great at it. It's a, it could be a very compelling archivist. Actually, um, many, many times when we have done an internet project, mm-hmm. project with a company, uh, one wish has always been that can we just make like a front page with a Google search and that's our internet. Right. And I think that with a co-pilot or AI chatbot, that actually could be yeah. a feature for some companies. You know, once upon a time, Google made a search appliance. It was like a one you, as I recall, purple box you could buy, put into your organization and it literally ran the Google algorithm on your internal documentation so that you could search your mm. stuff. They don't do it anymore. I think it's been out. It's been no longer. It hasn't been made in, in a decade or more. But the concept was profound, right? This idea of how do I make my corporate knowledge searchable, findable? You know, how do I retrieve the answers of the work that's gone before? So yeah, maybe that's how you bring it back around. It's now it is a, a piece. It's running a large language model that is the kind of or well, I, I hate to call it Oracle. Because there's, this tool's not going to predict the future. It's about it's an archivist. Mm, it's about no. knowing the past. Now, often the future is informed by the past, at least an effective future. So the two are going to go together. But I'm not. I'm looking to this tool to tell me to save me time and get me to the to known answers, as opposed to trying to predict what's going to happen next. Yeah, and I think one of the most powerful features in if you are talking about M365 Copilot is that as you have said it can it combines the content with the concept context mm-hmm. so it doesn't only know your documents and data it also know who has written this right. when when there there has been a meeting uh who is the boss of who and when we combine those information together it will become much more powerful than simply just a like a google search or sure. a chat gpt well heck you I mean again if you are looking at the graph you can even tell the last time anybody looked at that document the last time mm-hmm. it was sent as an attachment or you know was shared in any way like you, all of that information has always been available it's just a pain in the butt to organize yeah so the idea that a tool could could help us to have that sense of the gestalt of what people are working on what they care about what the con- concerning conversations are as a whole uh are pretty powerful in terms of just thinking about helping to lead a company the, we're buzzing along the edge of corporate surveillance the whole time 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's uh, it's any. I mean, part of me again that my experience dealing with harassment at work through email, where we just sort of mm. got to this reality of the company had a liability. This is information that that the company owns. You know, all of those sorts of things. And I think most of the time people don't think that way. Like they're just not aware of, hey, when you're at work, what you produce at work is owned by work. And yeah. it's appropriate for them to work with it. The challenge is work to work with it in a reasonable and non-discriminatory way. But not working with it, I don't know, is an option. Unless laws change, who knows? This is a forcing <laughs> function. As we're confronted mm. with the sort of reality in organizations of we are going to fully utilize the information available to us related to work. Is that acceptable? Like, who knows what might happen in some places? This will be very interesting. We will get to see so many frightening, but also hopefully enlightening yeah. cases. I, I feel like this time next year, we're going to have a few stories of companies that have been able to take advantage of this technology and have outperformed, have, you know, competed more effectively in the marketplace. Like that's the presumption that will come from this in the, in the next yeah. few months. Uh, or not, as the case may be. Then we might also see some spectacular failures. <laughs> um, certainly, as the hype train moved on a bit on large language models, you start seeing people utilizing the technology inappropriately and doing harm. You know, I think about the lawyers getting it to write, using a chat GPT to write a closing argument and simply citing cases that didn't yeah. exist. And the lawyer didn't check it. Like... Remember, <laughs> it's a co-pilot. You're the pilot. It doesn't. You can't blame the co-pilot when it flies you into a mountain. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, and that's the thing about humans. We need to be thought. We need to be educated. Mm -hmm. And it it really isn't a switch you like toggle on and off of in your organization. You really need to uh, make an adoption plan, make an implementation plan. Uh, take your people to courses to learn about how these things really work what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Yes. So you have to educate your, your people to how to use these tools, even though it feels like anyone can write a question. Sure. Now, it, it does feel like once again, as we did with the cloud, uh, we as system administrators are going to have to be sitting with the business leaders saying, what are the policies we want to put in place around this? Here are some of the consequences sort of shaping that. Uh, for our prep time, it's like doing that archival work. What data do we want to make available? How how well have we tagged sensitive information so that it, it controls what's visible and what isn't visible? Like, it, there's a bunch of pre-work to be done here. Definitely. And it's not just up to us. We are going to have to read. It's going to be a lot of leadership conversations, it feels like. Hopefully. But I think that this is such a hype topic nowadays right. that you get time for from leaders to discuss about these things and mm -hmm. to discover, discuss about security and preparations as yeah. well. So that's the upside of this. Yeah. If you, if we, as long as we surface these points, don't wait until it blows up in your face to say, Oh, maybe we should have done, you know, we should be working on this. Uh, that's ultimately our job, right? Is to show the concerns, the, the areas of concern and saying, we need to put time aside for this and to do this work. I mean, should you be bringing people in to help you with this? It sounds like almost a like building out that framework of mm -hmm. sensitive data almost seems like a specialized skill. Yeah, I, I really think you should have a very special expertise mm -hmm. because you don't have to guess things that are 
concerned with privacy and, and security in your organization. So it's before you toggle anything on, stop and think for a bit. Yeah, for sure. And it also speaks to um, the the classic sysadmin phrase, you know, change is good, you go first. Like, <laughs> one of the answers to leadership once you show them all of these problems is there will eventually be a set of governance frameworks around this. And if we choose to wait, we would have the benefit of letting the pioneers go first, get the arrows in the back, and then we can, we'll get these frameworks so it'll be easier. But if we want that competitive advantage, if we want to be first, then mm. it's our backs. Like we're taking the risk uh, of trying to figure this out early. This feels like this very pessimistic Finnish conversation, but it, it's true. It's true. We, we have to hype train, but you should be prepared. Sure. I mean, acknowledging the hype train helps. And that, you know, there's a reason. I mean, Microsoft's heavily motivated. I'm sure operating this infrastructure is expensive for them. They need a lot of customers mm -hmm. to sign up for it to be worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, and the, like the cloud, there are some first mover advantages here. We've seen companies significantly reduce their costs operating efficiently in the cloud. And have gotten yes. competitive advantage from it. And LLM seem to lend that same potential. So there is a first mover advantage, but we also know there's a first mover price. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that as a sysadmin, I am well served by pessimism, but I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> the question is, is that pessimism or wisdom? You know, we've done enough of these things to know if you just charge in, it's very easy to do some harm. You do have to be thoughtful and and be wise. There are advantages to being a first mover. Um, there are also advantages to waiting. But, and I like, I mean, one of the truths of being a system, it's rarely our call, <laughs> right? We usually get to take this up to leadership and say, and put it in front of them and say, I, I've helped assess the risks. Here's the things you need to be concerned about. Start making a cost plan to just recognize we're not going to just switch this on and all is going to be well. And then they can assess, do we want to take that first mover risk or are we willing to wait a bit to see um, how things go with others and then we can jump on board? Definitely. Uh, but that's what mature administration looks like, right? I mean, I'm, I would hope a bunch of us have gone through this in the past few years with the pandemic where we had far more conversations with leadership mm. as IT became such a focus of the company surviving the pandemic. Maybe they know our names now. Hopefully, hopefully. I, I really <laughs> hope that those years did something good to us as well. <laughs> I've, I've talked to some folks who have stayed at the table, like those two years of keeping the company alive uh, through that crazy time meant that they're, they've stayed advisors. And I've met plenty where no. It just then, then you went back down to the basement and we'll call you when something doesn't work. Uh, you know, it goes either way. But here we are with another wave because LLMs certainly yep. have that energy to say, uh, maybe we need to talk, we need to talk about this to decide how we're going to move as an organization. Huge possibilities. I don't know how many more of these it could take. I'm surprised to see Microsoft leading on this. I'm not surprised, but I'm. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not unhappy about it. It's just that normally Microsoft is more cautious. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they weren't first to the cloud, but they definitely delivered a great enterprise cloud solution that we're all taking advantage of and can see it evolving in front of us. Uh, it's unusual to see them being a first mover like this. Uh, I'm not unhappy about it, but it's like, wow, okay, that's interesting. Like, let's let's go. And the 
to it has been so fast and so so quick. Yeah, like it's only a couple of months since we heard it the first time. Yeah, and now there are already customers using it, and and more solutions are coming c- coming to M365 that uses AI all the time. So this really feels that this is something huge, not just hype. Yeah, I I do think there's some there there. I think the the hype is also there because they need a lot of customers to get on board, and that's fine. You know, separate one from the other. It's going to be interesting yeah. to take the product out for a spin, and and think and think beyond the Chat GPT model. I hope they do a great job. I would like a tool that makes better PowerPoint presentations. It takes advantage of you know features inside of of the Office suite. All of these products have many more features than we mo- generally know about. A tool that would help yeah. surface more of those features, that's cool. But a tool that would help me navigate the knowledge that my company already has, that's incredibly important. Like that could make a huge difference to any organization. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Fun times. Not like we were ever going to run out of work, right? I don't know about you. I'd gotten <laughs> to the bottom of my to-do list and they just added a bunch of new things. And it's the fun thing in IT business. There is always something new. Yeah, for sure. Carolina, so much fun to chat with you again. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Richard. It's been fun. Always. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.